1: You know, I put it down to, I wasn't reading the Bible. Like, I'd have this experience with God and an encounter with God. I'd say a prayer saying, I'm sorry for everything I've done. And then i go back to living the way it was.
2: Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. We've quite a roller coaster ride for you today as Lynn Tuivasa has certainly had her share of ups and downs. Sometimes close to God, then at other times turning to drugs, party lifestyle, and then finally going through a journey with cancer. We'll find out how God turns it all around today on the story. Lyn Tuivasa is chatting with Shelley Schoen.
1: I grew up as a Catholic. Um, My parents are Catholic, and I always had a love for Jesus, um, but I didn't have a relationship with Him. Mm -hmm. And so when I got old enough to leave church, I did. I had uncles, though, that were born-again believers, and they used to come over to our house and tell us we had to be saved and born again to get into heaven. And, you know, I rejected that straight away. And uh, I guess I can say that I've been like every uh, soil in the parable of the sower. You know, my heart's gone through all those different transitions. So at 14, I gave my heart to Jesus there on the streets of Kavalav in the Surfer's Paradise. Wow. Yeah. Tell us
3: that story then. Did you, were you talking to someone in particular there?
1: Well, my uncle, they used to go street evangelizing.
3: And every Saturday, they'd go out to
1: Surfers. And they'd always stop in on the way to Surfers at our house because we live on the Gold Coast. And so they, one day I went with them and there I was sitting there and my uncle was sharing about Jesus and my heart just broke. And I just knew that it was the truth, you know. Mm. But it's true that the the soil that receives the word sprouts up and then once the, the sun hits it, you know, it dies away because it's got no root in it. And that was me. I was excited about Christ, but then, you know, I didn't have a Bible. My uncles went to church in Brisbane, so I kind of faded away, and I started nightclubbing at 14. I'd already started drinking from grade 7. Wow. Um, so I was nightclubbing and drinking from how grade you, 8.
3: How did you even start nightclubbing at 14? Well, back then,
1: <laughs> a long time ago now. Uh, they never checked ID.
3: <laughs> okay, so you just strolled
1: on in. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I'm, so I'm on descent and quite tall for my age, so I got into nightclubs kind of easy. Yeah, wow. And, you know, on the Gold Coast, it's a real party scene. You know, surfers, paradise is known as Sin City. Mm. And it's just the thing that young kids do, you know, on it, at Gold Coast high schools. And so, parties, drinking, alcohol from grade eight, and I continued that all the way through, I think, till I was in my mid, late 20s, mm. I
3: continued to drink. What role did your uncles play in your life in that time? Did you see them much? Did yeah, they? well,
1: uh, I ended up going to uni at Griffith at Nathan, and I ended up staying with one of my uncles for a time, and once again, gave my heart to the Lord, you know, because they were constantly there, you know, encouraging me and reassuring me of God's love, you know, that he has a plan for my life and that it's never too late to turn back to Jesus. And so at 18, once again, gave my heart. And I was weeping in their lounge room and they couldn't even explain to me why I was weeping. But, you know, I learned later on that the Holy Spirit had come upon me and he was working in my life. But mm-hmm. once again, I was like the soil with the thorns growing in it and, you know, the pressures and people around you. you know, it's important who you surround your your life with. And, you know, I had friends who didn't didn't go to church and really into the party scene. And so back I got into nightclubbing and drinking. And, um, you know, I was bit promiscuous then at that time and I probably thought I wasn't as promiscuous as my friends but you know in God's eyes sex is for you know a covenant marriage not to be had fun with.
3: So looking back on those days I guess you can see now that God still had his hand on you even through that time but it must have broken his heart to see you doing all of that.
1: Oh definitely you know I even look back at all the things I'd done my life, and lots of situations I got myself into, like pretty dangerous situations, and I can definitely see God there, you know, Mm -hmm. protecting me, and always right there beside me, making sure that nothing had happened to me or no harm, real harm came to me, so I've been really blessed in that, you know, that respect.
3: Yeah, but you still live, I guess, with the scars and the consequences of uh, that time.
1: Definitely. Um, I know you talked about, you know, what things I'm going through now and the cancer that I got diagnosed with, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, That type of cancer is actually caused by HPV, which is human papillomavirus. Right. And... uh, yeah, if left unchecked, it can develop into cancer, which is what happened with me. So, Wow. I don't know if you wanted to jump straight to that.
3: <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, no, we'll, and we'll explore that more a little bit later on as well. Um, but I guess that is one of those things of... You're completely forgiven for the sins that you uh, did earlier in your life and and obviously in the future as well. Uh, When you came to God, he forgave you of all of that, but you still have to live with the consequences of what's going on as well. Yeah, that's exactly
1: right. And, you know, I had girlfriends, a lot of my best friends, that are like, aren't you mad with God because of what's happened? And I'm like, why would you be mad with God? He didn't make me have sex with people, Mm -hmm. you know, to contract this virus. Um, those were my choices, and I had to live with those choices.
0: Mm.
1: I thank God that, you know, I'm still here. You know, it is His grace and His mercy that's seen me come through this. And, yeah, yeah. And testify to that, you know. Even going for the pap smear, which I hadn't had in six years, you know. I was sitting in the doctor's room, and... Uh, I was in there with my mom, I took her to the doctors or something, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, You haven't had a Pap smear in six years I'm like and I just it just blurted out of my mouth. I'm like to the doctor, I haven't had a Pap smear in six years and the doctor goes, Well, you should have one And it was from there that they detected the cancer and caught it early before it spread to other organs.
3: Mm. So And again, that's the hand of God on your life Um, And I guess we can come right out now And say that you have overcome that cancer now Yeah,
1: yeah And I had a scan only yesterday And they said it's all clear So, yeah, praise the Lord
3: Yeah No more cancer Woohoo! Yay! Freedom! Yes, freedom
2: You're listening to The Story today. We're hearing Lynn Tuivasa share the ups and downs of her journey. Next, we'll hear how God begins to turn the whole situation around and draw Lynn to himself. That and more
0: when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you.
2: We're continuing with Lynn Tuivasa sharing the incredible ups and downs she's experienced in her still young life. Right now, Lynn goes back to her teenage years and recounts how she became involved with drinking and drugs.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess once you start drinking, there's a kind of a general progression to, you know, get a different kind of high and have more excitement. And, you know, in my 20s, I started uh, doing party drugs, so night clubbing, drinking, and then party drugs, and I did that for quite a number of years. Um, my parents were unaware of anything, and yeah, I just kind of got sucked into that whole scene And and I guess it all comes down to low self-esteem, you know, and really wanted to be accepted and liked by people and when you're in that party scene you have people who are around you and um you know seem to be your friends and when you're high you know the world seems like a better place Mm. so it was a big wake-up call for me when i got diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis that's 26 and i was told i couldn't take anything else and i had to go on to these um, drugs to, you know, fight the disease. So, at 26, I did stop partying, then. But then I uh, moved over to the UK, you know, a couple of years later. And over in the UK, uh, party drugs are even cheaper than they are here, and it's a big drinking culture over in the UK as well. So, once again, I got sucked back into that life. Mm. And, you know, I put it down to, I wasn't reading a Bible. Like I'd have this experience with God and an encounter with God, I'd say a prayer saying I'm sorry for everything I've done, and then I'd go back to living the way I was because I wasn't connected in the church, I wasn't reading my Bible, and so I wasn't constantly filling myself with the Word. You know, God wants us to be transformed, you know, not stay the way we are. and I knew I had a love for God, but me, myself, I can't do it. You know, it's got to be the power of God to change
3: us. And I think that's where so many of us go wrong as well. I mean, you are so not alone in that whole story of, you know, coming to God genuinely, time after time after time, going, God, I'm struggling, I'm struggling with this sin and I'm really sorry for it and I really want to change. Help me change. And then you don't. And then a few months later or a few years later, you're back in the same spot again. I know. And
1: I just think, you know, David says it in Psalms 8, you know, who is man that you are mindful of him? You know, I think like that, and I keep going back to God, and I'm like, God, you're so forgiving and gracious. And I think, why do you put up with me? You know, <laughs> But he does, because he loves us. Mm. And I'm just thankful that he did, yeah. because I want to be where I am now.
3: And you're right, saying that we need to allow him to transform us rather than trying to do it in our own strength. We need to, you know, read the Bible and pray and get connected in with the right people for him to be able to transform us and to hopefully get us out of that cycle of, of um, I guess, repentance and then going back into the sin.
1: Yeah, because, you know, it says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Mm. And I never allowed the word to, you know, increase my faith and they talk about faith being like a muscle that needs to be, you know, exercised. <laughs> and mm. I wasn't doing that. I was just doing the first part, and then going off on my own, trying to do it, and just never worked. So, uh, when I was in England, I actually ended up doing an Alpha group. I okay. uh, went to an Alpha course and um, at an Anglican church there, and then went to a retreat, and the, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit there. So, Tongues and thought this was amazing, but still didn't read my Bible. And Lynn, I continued to drink.
3: You got to learn your lesson by now. Oh, no. Come on!
1: You would think, hey, <laughs> yeah. I would have learned by now. But no, I, yeah, you know, I was so deceived. <laughs>
3: yeah so
1: I yeah I've transitioned through every type of soil.
3: so at what point did it finally sink in? At what point did you finally submit everything to God?
1: What- well, I was working in Melbourne, and I was a really good job getting earning really good money, and my friends that I was with, you know they would do cocaine and and ecstasy and all that kind of stuff. and one night we had a party at her house and up all night and had taken these pills and I just could not get to sleep, couldn't get to sleep and I'm sitting in the bathroom and I'm like, I just want to sleep and I couldn't and it's like God had given me a depiction of hell, you know, and I was looking at the tiled floors and I could see bodies strewn over each other, like naked bodies and their skin was peeling back from skin to bone bone to skin, skin to bone, bone to skin. And I was just like, this is not the life for you. And I just prayed to the Lord and I just said, Lord, if you let me sleep, I promise I will not do this again. I will turn my life over to you. This will be it. And so I fell asleep pretty much instantly. And the next day I'd gone into work and one of the managers and me were having issues, and I walked in, and he said, "You know, one of us has to go. It's either you or me." And I'm like, "Yep, I'm gone." Mm-hmm. And I moved back home to the Gold Coast from there, and found myself at church through some friends, and the same church I've been at since then, which was eight years ago now. And I truly can't say I've been. My heart's been that good soil. I was in my 30s, you know, I didn't get baptised till I was 33,
3: wow.
1: so, yeah, it took a long work, but thank the Lord that He's patient, yeah, and gracious and merciful, because I think He would have got rid of me a long time ago if it was me, playing God, so.
3: And He's had His hand on you right from the very beginning, and I guess... Oh, yeah. It's broken his heart to see you go through all the things that you have, but obviously the joy of that one lost sheep returning home. Uh, Lynn, you've just been through cancer and happy to say that you're out the other side. You've been given the all-clear again after a scan just yesterday, which is obviously really exciting. But take us back to what it was like uh, at the beginning of your cancer journey.
1: Okay, so I guess I have to take it back to 2012. Uh, My dad had Passed away in April of 2012, and like I mentioned earlier, you know I'd gone to the doctors, and Holy Spirit reminded me I hadn't had a Pap smear, um, so that happened in June of 2012, and in around about September, so it took a while for them to do tests and stuff. I went in for a biopsy, and uh, they first told me it wasn't cancer from the biopsies, and told me I would uh, have to have another cone biopsy. And they told me it was going to be day surgery. It's around first of November. Went in for the surgery and woke up, and the doctor said, "Oh, we actually took more tissue than we thought, and we're going to keep you in overnight." I was like, "Okay, fine." And so it was a real blessing because the next day I woke up in the ward, and there was some ladies that you know going through some similar things, and uh, there was a lady there who had I guess throat cancer of some sort and was only able to speak if she pushed the button on her throat and you know I was able to go over and pray with her and you know just offer her some encouragement you know that whatever she was going through you know God was with her Mm. and then I got discharged came home and um, so that was only the next day from my surgery and I got a call I missed a call actually from the hospital and it was a phone message saying, oh, look, we've got your results back already and uh, we need you to come into the hospital on Monday. This was a Friday, I got the message. And they said, look, if you can come in at 8.30, that would be great, but if you can't, then, you know, you just come in whenever you can, we'll slot you in.
3: That's not really a good sign, is it? Yeah,
1: but, so, you know, that's not a good sign. No. And I was like, oh, okay, it's probably not going to be good news. But just in that moment, you know, The Lord spoke to me and said, you know, don't worry, I have so much more for you to do. And so just then I went, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And my mum's like, I'm going to come to the appointment. I'm like, no, mum, you're going to get too upset. (laughs) I'm like, okay, if you come, no crying. (laughs) I know that was a bit mean because she's my mummy. But we went to the hospital and I'm sitting there and the doctor was ringing up, uh, I guess the pathologist and he said, I just wanted to ring to make sure the results were correct and he says to me, you know, um, I've got some bad news for you you know, it's, it's cancer and I'm like, oh yeah, well I knew it wasn't going to be great news yeah. <laughs> and he goes, no, it's bad news I'm like, oh, it's not great <laughs> and my mum's so crying, I'm like, "Mom, it's okay and I just said to her, you know, Philippians forces. you know be anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And you know, I says to her, everything's going to be okay, Mum. God's got it in His hands.
3: Mm. And, and let's not forget the end of that verse, the peace of God that surpasses the understanding. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I didn't get that. Will verse. guard your hearts and minds. You know, that's, I guess, yeah, the peace that you felt in that moment. I
1: did. I didn't say quite yeah. the rest of that yeah, yeah. to her, but, you know, I guess the main thing that God was saying to me, you know, don't be anxious, you know, and don't be fretful or fearful of what's coming. And, you know, anyway, you know, as Christians, I truly believe what Paul said, you know, to live as Christ and to die is game. I was mm-hmm. like, well, if I die, I get to see Jesus early, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. but God had assured me that I wasn't going to die and I had to go for further testing. And the doctors confirmed it, you know, only a few weeks later, that, yes, um, I had cancer and it was a pretty big growth. I had an eight-centimeter tumor. Wow. Um, But it was contained in my cervix and it hadn't spread to any other organs. And it was a really positive outlook, you know, that they believed that with treatment, with radiation and chemotherapy,
3: Which is obviously, you know, quite a good news. Well, as good as the news can come in in that kind of moment. But you still knew that there were lots of mountains to climb in between as well. Definitely. Um, chemotherapy and radiation aren't really a walk in a park, are they?
1: No, I kind of thought they would be. <laughs> you know, you have to come to the reality that it's poison going into your body. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got pretty sick early on with yeah. some of the chemo sessions. But, you know, God uses those for good. Uh, I got to pray with people in the hospital. Uh, One lady who, you know, probably wasn't too much hope. Uh, The doctors had, you know, pretty much given her not long to live and I got to pray with her and uh, share Christ with her and even got her address and dropped the Bible around to her, you know, a couple of weeks later when I was better. (laughs) Gave her encouragement for the you know, for
3: what she was going through. And in that regard, I mean, it's great that you were there in that place at that time. You were part of God's plan for the all those people that you came into contact with.
1: Yeah. The... You know, Romans eight twenty eight was one of my scriptures that I held on to. You know, it says, For God works all things for the good of those who love him and called according to his purposes. And, mm. you know, he underlined the all, you know. He doesn't work some things. He works all things for the good of us. And... Mm. I just remembered that whatever I was going through, that God's working. He's constantly working. We we serve a sovereign God, and He's not distant. He's right here with us.
3: Lynn, how has your relationship changed with God as a result of having cancer? Uh,
1: what changed is that God was really trying to get me, I guess, to slow down. Mm. You know, I'd worked um, a lot in, in ministry, and I was children's pastor, and you know, doing Bible college at some point, and this time has just taught me to just rest in God, mm. which I hadn't done before. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus talks about the lady who anointed him before, you know, his death, and he talks about her, of her sins, and that they are many, and that they're forgiven, and those whose sins are forgiven much, love much. And, you know, I feel like that with God that I've done so much, Bad stuff in my life and yet god's forgiven me you know he loves me regardless of what i've done yeah. and he still chooses me you know he still chooses me to do his work despite what i've done despite who i am because he really knows who i am on the inside and who he's called me to be
2: that was shelly Scowen chatting with lynn tuibasa who as we just heard has gone on quite a remarkable journey of transformation. It's a perfect example of how God does not give up on us even if we've repeatedly messed things up ourselves. God has faithfully worked in Lynn's life to bring about lasting change, helping her overcome many obstacles, and now she's even involved in ministry herself. Truly amazing. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.
0: Next time on The Story. Where it began was um, as I got older, in my teenage years, um, my coldness grew and also I started looking for other things. Uh, And I think the turning point for me was going, okay, this Christian thing, I'm doing okay because I'm ticking all the boxes. But there was this vacuum still being built in my heart. Just getting all the ticking is not enough. You want to do more. Shabu John grew up
2: in a Christian home in Melbourne and thought of himself as a very religious person. However, even though he obeyed all the rules, his heart was growing colder and colder until one day he found himself addicted to pornography. We'll hear his journey to freedom
0: next time. The Story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life.